0: This is Every Voice with Terrence McKnight on WQXR. It's a radio special that looks at the representations of blackness in Mozart's opera, The Abduction from the Seraglio. Growing up, I played two instruments, trumpet and piano. And both instruments eventually led me towards the experience of classical music, going to the concert hall. But for many of those years, I avoided opera. Maybe that's true for you too. Well, these days, what I've come to enjoy about opera, aside from the music, is how opera is a window into the past, but it's also reflective. It allows us to see modern society through the lens of yesterday the good, the bad, and the other. The
1: abduction, 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 abduction from, from the Seraglio.
0: Abduction
1: Abduction. 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 Abduction from
0: From the Seraglio. Seraglio. Abduction from the Seraglio premiered in the summer of 1782, and Mozart was having the time of his life. He'd recently gotten married, left his hometown of Salzburg for the capital city of Vienna. He struck out on his own, became a freelance composer, with his heart set on writing operas. And in Vienna, he became a Freemason and landed financial support from the big boss, the Holy Roman Emperor, Joseph II, who was a big fan of opera and of Mozart. So he commissioned an opera for Mozart. Now the subject of this commission wasn't exactly what Mozart had in mind when he moved to Vienna, but he needed the coins. So in keeping with the emperor's wishes, Mozart composed a rescue opera in German. No, mm-hmm.
2: Five
0: years before moving to Vienna, Mozart spent his summer in Paris, where he had gone looking for employment. He didn't find the job of his dreams but he did make a significant contact. Joseph Boulogne was an important musical figure in France. He was an associate of Marie Antoinette. Well, Joseph Boulogne was a biracial composer whose father was a French aristocrat, and he was afforded the freedom of education with limited social mobility. Nonetheless, he and Mozart shared a residence in Paris in the summer of 78, and I imagine they talked more than music. When Mozart went back to Vienna, he began working on an opera called Zaïd. It's what he took with him when he went to Vienna. Can you guess what that opera was about?
3: It is about a slave revolt.
0: A slave revolt? Slavery was the law of the land in some places. It was an economic engine for many places. It was the way of the world. And Mozart wants to depict abolitionist freedom, a slave revolt on stage. Every
3: one of Mozart's operas is liberatory. Said was his abolitionist opera. And it is about a slave revolt. And he is very specific about it. Theater and opera director, Peter Sellers. For a long time, Mozart just couldn't get what he wanted to see on stage. We did a production that had Russell Thomas and Morris Robinson and Sean Panacar and really beautiful cast. And we set it in a sweatshop in Queens. We worked with freetheslaves.com. And every performance, we had former slaves testify what they've been through right now in our lifetime, because slavery is a very real, real issue right now. So I wanted to contextualize that really, really deeply and set Mozart's anti-slavery music. Anti-slavery?
0: Joseph II was liberal, but he wasn't that liberal. did abolish aspects of serfdom, He ushered in religious freedoms and opportunities. He talked about equality. He admired the democratic ideas espoused by the newly formed America. And his approach to governance embraced Enlightenment ideas, but to advocate for the liberation of enslaved Africans, come on. What was more politically correct for that time was what made it to the stage instead of Zaid, an opera which depicted two European women who'd been captured and sold into an Islamic harem, Pasha Salim's harem. <laughs> was Turkish, and he owned a few slaves. One was a nameless black man who was mute, doesn't utter a word. And the other enslaved man was seemingly of African descent, his name Asmin.
1: dreamed. I wanted to be as good as I could be, and I didn't know where I would go. So Willard White has us mean. And the Pasha saw me one day, and liked my statue, liked what I stood for, liked the fact that I was strong, but not challenging to him, but merely to defend myself. And um, fortunately, I was a eunuch, fortunate for him it was a situation that i had to give into in order to fulfill my path in this world Become a me Hey,
2: alter hörst du nicht ist hier das wasser selim palast sondern steinmunden <speaking> torre wollen den hin zu vol in acht <the> oft auch sta <mountains>
0: The eunuch Asmin, along with the nameless black mute, was performed 40 times within the first decade of the opera's first performance.
2: Ien lasst ihr euch gelassen, um euch zu erreichen, euch zu brüsten. Was wollt ihr? Was wollt ihr? Was wollt ihr? Was wollt ihr?
4: my favorite
0: pastimes is to
4: see somebody get lashed and flogged
0: baritone nathan stark as pasha salim especially with ozmeen
4: he's a he's a strong guy so it's fun to see how much you can whip him until he actually cries out He needed somebody who was a, a, a large person to keep away the other people who might be trying to invade my uh, my wives, and needed him to protect them uh, against anybody who'd be foolish enough to try to sneak in.
0: Mozart put on stage regarding Asmin's treatment was a reality for enslaved people throughout the West. In French, English, and Spanish colonies, that attitude expressed by Pasha was real, not merely a stage portrayal. There were codes that governed the institution of slavery. Unwritten laws in other places throughout the West weren't much different. Enslaved people were severely punished and killed for running away, talking back, striking back, gathering with other enslaved folks, and just learning to read or write. And by 1782, there were millions of us means serving in the Caribbean islands, North and South America, as well as a few dozen right there in Vienna. We're producing this radio special because Mozart's opera isn't a museum piece. It's staged around the world, and the attitudes and ideas that were propagated in Western art and literature during that time still haunt us. Hosmin, he's an idiot. He's loyal to a fault.
4: He just needs to, uh, to stay away from the women, though. He has a little a weak spot for women.
5: Um, I find him terrifying, and I don't know how... Blonde is able to put up with
0: him. Jennifer Welch Babbage as Constanza, one of the European women being held captive by Pasha Salim and guarded by Azmin.
5: Um, he's very boorish, and the way that he tries to woo me is just, oh, it's god awful. Of course, he is definitely trying to do. Every minute he's trying to seduce or, or come on to me.
0: Soprano Jennifer Welch Babbage is Blonda, the English woman who was being guarded by Osmin in Mozart's opera.
5: You know, if he wants to make advances on someone of my kind, of my station, then he must do so with kindness. He must treat me with respect. He must honour my feelings. It's not all about his feelings or who he thinks I should be as a woman. I am an independent person who deserves to be honoured and valued. And this is not his thinking in the slightest.
1: To deal with Blonda quite a lot, and I drooped to be fond of her. But uh, you know, in my opening song, when I talk about when you found a woman, you love her and cherish her and kiss her and never leave her alone. <laughs>
2: Dault und küsse, mach ihr all das Leben süsse. Sei ihr tröster, sei ihr Freud, sei ihr tröster.
5: Obviously, Pasha is the one who holds the upper hand here. And the one who has Pasha's ear is my lady Constanza. So, if Osmin goes too far, all I have to do is to tell my lady Constanza and she will talk to Pasha, who will then set him straight.
1: The women were privileged people. I mean, one was a servant of the other and the servant had a sort of similar position as myself, but in a different category. This is the failure of the human dream always to be better than the next one. She came from a society that because of her color, she had certain privilege. And uh, I, because of my color, I was less privileged, but had acquired some privilege in this enclave of the Pasha's realm.
2: Mm-hmm. The water is very heavy. The water is very heavy. The water is heavy.
0: in the opera blonda says to asmin one word from me and you'll have 50 of the best on the soles of your feet in real life that punishment was called bastinado it's a form of punishment or torture that involves whipping the soles of a person's feet extremely painful because of the mass of nerve endings in the soles in the opera asmin threatens the european men with that form of torture but he didn't have the authority to make it happen. He
2: didn't have the I begin, I I I
0: This is Every Voice with Terrence McKnight on WQXR. It's a radio special that looks at the representations of blackness in Mozart's opera, The Abduction from the Seraglio. The Abduction.
1: Abduction. Abduction. Abduction, abduction from, from the, the Seraglio. Seraglio.
0: This is Every Voice with Terrence McKnight on WQXR. It's a radio special that looks at the representations of blackness in Mozart's opera, The Abduction from the Seraglio. The Abduction
1: Abduction from From the the Seraglio.
0: Seraglio.
2: Schleifte, ohr, soll, verliebt uns leise, ihr verdammten Harmskreuze, unser Ohr ist weg euch und wie ihr uns gettet springet, seht ihr euch in unser Stingen und erhaschelt euren Lohn. und When <speaking> will ich lachen, singen und and <Spanish> Kleiden riechen, In <Sing> the
3: Oh,
2: Minutes, 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 minutes,
0: guys
6: know anything
5: about opera? No. My mom said opera.
2: The she one that got the really Should good I vocals have... and be like, ah! "Could you do
6: could you do your version the of girl, opera? I don't know how to I don't <laughs> write your okay. you them.
7: It don't matter what it sounds like. No, that's
6: good. That's good. No, I'm serious. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Ever go see an opera? Would you ever go see one? Opera? Yeah, yeah. It depends. If someone yeah. gave you a free ticket to go to the Metropolitan Opera, would yeah. you go? Yeah.
7: Alright.
6: Yeah. Do Do you all listen to any classical music at all? No, I don't uh-huh. listen
5: to classical music.
1: I listen to. I listen
6: to it with my mom. You do. What kind of classical music do you listen to? What kind of stuff? Is it stuff with words in it? Is it stuff with just instruments in it? Strings, it's words. Like- Strings.
3: into the opera at the Met, it's glorious. Everybody should go once. Um, I wish more people would go. I know it's expensive to go, and it would be cool if there was a way that was less expensive for more people in the community to be able to get to opera. But like, hey, lots of times, It is not in English, and it's hard to understand what's happening, but the Met has these cool little things where they translate it for you on the seat in front of you so you can follow along. And always the performances are gorgeous, and the sets are gorgeous, and the costumes are gorgeous, and all the people who work there do really hard work, and like, it's worth going just to appreciate that. So even if you can't follow the story, the music's beautiful, and everything else you're watching is beautiful, so everyone should go to the Met.
0: This radio special is derived from a 16-part podcast we produced on the topic of representations of Blackness in opera. Being so heavily involved in classical music, I wanted to find a way of enjoying the art form in the same way as the opera enthusiasts we just heard from. It's difficult when the person on stage that most resembles the person you see in the mirror each morning is the mute in the opera, the buffoon, The slave, the vixen, the deplorable one in the opera. So since abduction was politically correct and socially acceptable for 18th century Viennese audiences and beyond, how about we keep that idea in our own time? And when political correctness is so hotly contested, how about we go for socially acceptable or just doing the right thing? As of late, the largest classical music institution in our country has been making some moves. The Metropolitan Opera House has revamped some of its offerings that should embrace more of our diverse communities. This is something that Peter Sellers, the opera and theater director, loves talking about.
3: It's abnormal that a repertoire is made out of pieces from the past. Normally, Verdi and Mozart, there were only contemporary operas. So the only solution to what we're talking about is that all opera has to be contemporary again. And every once in a while you do an old piece, sure. But no, it's about now, it's made by now, it sounds like now, it moves like now, it talks like now, it's now. And that's not just the future, that's the present. classical music got stuck, because in 1925, who sold the most records in the world is Bessie Smith and Louis Armstrong, 1925. Now, why won't those people invite to the Metropolitan Opera House? Excuse me. And why did we say that Stravinsky and Schoenberg are the only important composers when Bessie Smith is alive? What are you talking about? There's a historical backlash. Opera lost it, big time and didn't just freeze those two people out, froze composers out of the opera house for two generations. So opera has a lot of catch up to do and catching up means new pieces. Catching up means let's hear it now and let's hear it with all the power and beauty and vision that opera is capable of and let's not just go try to fix the past, let's actually address the present in real terms.
0: every voice with Terrence McKnight on WQXR it's a radio special that looks at the representations of blackness in Mozart's opera The Abduction from the Seraglio trumpet and piano, and at some point early in my studies, the symphony orchestra came into focus. We'd go hear the orchestra in elementary school, but the only man who looked like anybody in my family sat towards the back of the orchestra in the string section. Now here's the thing, those environments, those orchestras, they're part of our education system. So what do our kids take away from these experiences? when they don't get to see representations of themselves. Or they only see representations of themselves. What does that say about the beautiful diversity of their classrooms? Do you all listen to any classical music at all? No, I don't nah. listen
5: to classical music. I listen to Broadway. I listen to with like my
6: mom. You do? What kind of classical music do you listen to? What kind of stuff? Is this stuff with words in it? Is it stuff with just instruments in it? It's Strings, words? Like- Strings, orchestra? Do you all play any instruments? No, no I do no? dance. You just dance? Yeah. Okay, what kind of dance do you do?
1: I do African, ballet, jazz, hip-hop, major rap. Do
6: you know
0: that some operas
6: have ballet in it? Yeah.
0: Okay. We got to do something about that. I got another question. So you I try to make that experience feel more like an American experience. And for a lot of African-American musicians, that experience involves church. It's where I first started playing music, and it's something that I have in common with some of the singers who took part in this series. My
8: mom and dad were both musicians in the church. My mom, she carried the choirs and played piano. My father played guitar and drums and bass, and so we we sang and did music in our home and in church. That's what I knew growing up.
4: My dad was a preacher. I was a PK, <laughs> and uh, so we grew up in the in the
3: church. You know, I sing and love Abyssinian Baptist Church.
4: I grew up in Beulah Baptist Church in Vine City. We sang in the choir, children's choir, and as we got older, in the you know the teen and adult choirs. And you know, I sang solos as a as a youngster, which is how I learned that I could sing in church in the Sunshine Band, as they called it.
8: When I first started to study music, I felt it was so compartmentalized that this is gospel, this is classical music, and this is what you have to leave to to study classical music. Um, I feel on the contrary, is you bring your full musical experience with anything you do as you grow as a musician and as an artist. I feel I was informed brilliantly as in the music world, in the Pentecostal church, how I grew up in Alabama as a Southern black man. I always thank my mother for the training that we had in church. There was discipline there. So that set my sort of my discipline up to to receive and to um, have the exchange of presentation.
4: It wasn't until after I had gone off to college that I started incorporating it into the music I would sing in church. I think partially that was because I knew most people wouldn't quite get it because it wasn't something that they were used to hearing.
2: La fatale pietra sovra me si chiuse. Ecco la tomba mia. Del di la luce più non vedrò.
4: It wasn't a style that they were used to hearing in the Pentecostal church. And it was was more of just as I began to learn more about my own self vocally and musically, I was able to better incorporate the classical style into gospel music and to to use my classical technique to enhance the gospel singing.
0: you know who else might have something interesting to say about the direction of opera? Is someone who's been silent for the past 250 years. As we wrap up this episode, I want to go back to a character that we really haven't discussed. A character Mozart's abduction from the Seraglio. He's described as a slave. A black mute. He didn't say a word. He was the silent witness in this opera. He witnessed everything. The violence, the cruelty, the kindness, the empathy, the notions of who deserves to be free and who doesn't.
2: Das ist es was er sehnt im Auge. Ich kann nicht feiern, ich bin's nicht, muss eilen. So ich kann nicht feiern, ich bin's not nicht, muss boy. Sag ihr in seinen Diensten Freund. Hey. Sag ihr in seinen Diensten Freund. Hey. Sag ihr in seinen Dienst, Freund. Hey. Ich bin in seinen Diensten frei. Wie kann es denn wohl sprechen, der hin in seinen Diensten steht? Den Schurkel, den den Hals soll brechen. Seht selber zu, selber zu, wenn's anders geht, seht selber zu. Wenn's anders geht, was für ein Achter umberwegen, das ist doch so ein ne?
0: Well, I bet he has something to say. During his lifetime, Mozart was associated with at least two black men. And perhaps Mozart wanted us to see this character, this mute, minus all the centuries of demeaning racist stereotypes that were so popular in Western thought, art, literature, and pseudoscience. Maybe Mozart wanted us to take a look at opera through the eyes of this mute. And when we do that, we might all start to see and hear his voice. And the many voices of humanity that go unheard. And when we do that, what we hear is every voice. Terrence McKnight. Thanks for being with us on this journey. We've got a lot of folks to thank as we wrap up. Jr., Lemmy Pulliam, Peter Sellers, Ram, Bryce Davis, Thomas Hampson, Kevin Maynard. Alicia Taylor, Dr. Melvin Foster, and Jennifer Welch Babbage. Dr. Sharon Willis, Nathan Stark, Sir Willard White, Mary Beth Diggle.
2: Do you have any more? Now, don't drink too much, or it'll go to your head. Oh, don't worry about me. I'm as sober as can be. But remember, little brother, don't you give me away.
8: They better get him out of
2: here. All right, little brother. Time to go to sleep. To sleep? But it's still early. Come on, come on. We don't want the Pasha to surprise us. Oh, no, not the Pasha. <laughs> Good night, little brother. Good night.
0: <laughs> and also, thanks to my colleague, Nemet Habachi. Oh, so many folks, Sylvia McNair.
5: When we're talking about race in opera, you know. They say that sunshine is the best disinfectant possible. We are pulling these issues out from the shadows. We're taking them out from underneath the rug where they've kind of been buried, hidden. We need to bring this out into the light. Look at it. Talk about it. Which is what you're doing.
0: artist Aaron K. Robinson who did the illustration for the show Theodora Kuslin and everybody the whole team at WQXR New York Public Radio who made the show possible and a huge thanks to the NEA the National Endowment for the Arts you know that's where our tax dollars go I gotta thank my good friend Harry Belafonte the late Belafonte whose life and career inspired so much of the work that I did I always thought man what if Belafonte is listening to my show I gotta get it right and of course thanks to you for listening Terrence McKnight was written and produced by Terrence McKnight, David Norville, and Tony Phillips. Our research team includes Ariel Elizabeth Davis, Pranati DeWalker, Ian George, and Jazz Ogiste. This episode's sound design and engineering was by Alan Gofinski. Our original music is composed by Brother Jeremy Thomas, featuring Dr. Ashley Jackson on harp, and Brother Titos Sampa on percussion and vocals. Our project manager is Natalia Ramirez, and our executive producer is Tony Phillips. The executive producer for WQXR Podcast is Elizabeth Nanamaker, and Ed Yem is the chief content officer at WQXR. This project is supported in part by the National Endowment for the Arts. You can find more information on the web at arts.gov. Thanks to the Met Archives for invaluable research data and a huge amount of gratitude to Livermore Valley Opera for sharing their performance. If you enjoyed this episode, please take time to rate it. Rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I'm Terrence McKnight. I'll see you next time. You're
5: listening to Every Voice with
7: Terrence McKnight. (music)